0: Welcome to 7 Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7 Minute Torah. All right, welcome everybody. Today we're gonna be looking at my favorite Broadway musical. But before we do that, let me just announce that we have two new study groups that are gonna be launching in January. These are small group study communities that'll meet essentially weekly, probably three times a month or so, to look at different topics. One is going to be looking at the weekly Torah portion through the eyes of Midrash, the stories about the stories in the Torah. And the other is going to be a Talmud study group. If you're interested in either of those groups, just drop me an email, rabbistreifer at gmail.com. Spaces are limited, so let me know what you're interested in as I'm doing my planning right now. The other quick announcement is that next Monday evening, December 11th at 7 30 p.m. Eastern, which is 4 30 Pacific, we're going to do a program called The Meaning of Light. Where we're going to explore the meaning of the Hanukkah lights by looking at texts from the Talmud. We're also going to light the candles together, so join us for an hour on Zoom, totally free, to light the candles and study what they're all about. And you can sign up at laasok.org, L A A S O K.org. Now, let's talk about Joseph. This week, the Torah takes a bit of a turn to the next generation. And as we enter into Parshat Vayeshev, which is this week's Parsha, we begin to tell the story not of Jacob, who we've been dealing with for the last three weeks, but of his son Joseph. Now, some of you might know this about me. I think I've mentioned it in years past. The very first Broadway musical that I fell in love with was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. When I was a kid, my parents had that album on record, and I used to listen to it over and over and over again. I think to this day, I probably still know most of the words. And the funny thing is, the record that I had was the original London cast. So in my mind still, all of the characters in this Parsha, Joseph and all the brothers and Jacob and even Potiphar, the Egyptian priest, they all have British accents. In my head, I hear this Parsha happening in 1970s British show tunes. But that's not really relevant unless you're planning on acting out the show. What is relevant is that we're reading Vayeshev. Vayeshev is Genesis chapters 37 through 40, and this is the first of three parashiot that tell the story of Joseph. Now Joseph is a bit of a unique character, a unique figure in the Torah. First of all, he's highly associated with dreams and imagination, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And second of all, what's unique about him is that the story of Joseph, as we have it in the Torah, really constitutes a story in a way that some of the other elements of Genesis don't. You think about the Abraham and Sarah stories. They give us a lot of information about various adventures of Abraham and Sarah, but they're actually not a story per se in the sense that there's not an arc, a beginning, a middle, and an end. They're more a series of stories, a series of incidents about these important figures. The Joseph narrative really tells about the rise and fall and rise of Joseph, from his early travails with his brothers, through his brothers selling him into slavery, and Joseph ending up as a a slave and a servant in Egypt, to his rise to be Grand Vizier over all Egypt, his re-meeting his brothers, and ultimately his re-meeting his father in the end. Yair Zakovich, who is a scholar of Genesis and of Torah, writes that, quote, we can characterize it, it being the Joseph story, as a long novella of many scenes and plots that portray the primary figure Joseph, as developing and changing. In other words, the Joseph story is a story in and of itself. It's almost like somebody took this set of stories and dropped it here into the Torah. And we have to ask why? What is the purpose that the Joseph stories are serving? And the answer is that this set of stories tells the story of how the Israelites ended up in Egypt. Joseph will come to Egypt His brothers will follow him to Egypt, and ultimately Jacob, that is to say Israel, will make his way to Egypt, which is, of course, the beginning of the story of the Israelites' descent into Egypt that will be told in the book of Exodus. So in many ways, this Joseph story is here to bridge the gap between the patriarch cycle and the Exodus cycle, those being the two very important foundational stories of who the Israelites are and where we come from. And that means that as we begin to read the story of Joseph, we're actually starting to read the story of the Exodus, the story of our own of our own journey from Mitzrayim, from Egypt, toward the Promised Land, with all of the both geographic and metaphorical meanings that are attached to that. And that, I think, segues us perfectly into a discussion about Joseph and his dreams. Now, Joseph is highly associated with dreams. The parsha starts with Joseph and his dreams. The first things that we learn in this parsha are that Joseph is the beloved son of his father Jacob. Jacob gives him a ketonet pasim, a striped tunic or a coat of many colors, or as they say on Broadway, an amazing technicolor dream coat. But Joseph's brothers hate him, and they hate him even more after he tells them his dream, which is that he dreamt that their sheaves of corn were bowing down to him, and he dreamt that the sun and the moon and the stars were all bowing down to him. Now, these sound like the dreams of a kid brother who wants to lord it over his big brothers, right? But Joseph is not just a kid with dreams. We know that by the end of next week, He will be Grand Vizier over all Egypt. He will be Pharaoh's right-hand man. So I think we're supposed to ask the question of what is it about Joseph, what is it about this dreamer that makes him capable of weathering difficult things, of making it through the narrow places of Egypt and emerging not only okay, but emerging even better than he was before. We get some hints in this Parsha and next week's Parsha, of what it was about Joseph that makes him capable of such great things. So after Joseph tells his brothers this dream, they, and I'm obviously telescoping the story, they sell him into slavery. He goes down into slavery. He ends up in the home of this priest whose wife frames him for infidelity, and at that point Joseph is in jail, the lowest possible point. So he's fallen from being the favored son of a patriarch to being a nobody slave in a foreign jail. And it's at that point that we start to see some of the elements of what makes Joseph special. And here again, it all has to do with dreams. At the beginning of Genesis chapter 40, we read, Vayhi achar hadvarim ha'ele. Some time later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt gave offense to their lord, the king of Egypt. The pharaoh gets mad at his two courtiers, and he throws them in prison. And while they're in prison, they both have dreams, which they ask Joseph to interpret. He interprets the baker's dream in a not-great way. He says, In three days, the Pharaoh is going to execute you, and that does happen. And he interprets the cupbearer's dream in a much more favorable way. He says, in three days, the Pharaoh is going to let you go. And that happens as well. But then Joseph goes a step further. After interpreting the dream, he says to the cupbearer, When you're out there and things are going better for you, Think about me, and do me the kindness of mentioning me to Pharaoh, so as to set me free from this place. In other words, Joseph doesn't just do what's asked of him. He doesn't just interpret the dream. He goes a step further to say to this man, Remember me. Help me. When you're out there, see if you can set me free. In next week's Parsha, when Joseph is interpreting the dreams of the Pharaoh himself, he will do something similar. After interpreting the Pharaoh's dreams, after saying to him there's going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine, Joseph goes on to say, You know, Pharaoh... You should find yourself somebody to be in charge of all this. You should find someone to administer things in Egypt for the next 14 years. And that is what lands Joseph his job, as the pharaoh looks to him and says, I think you're the guy. So in both of these cases, Joseph has demonstrated a particular quality. And it's a quality that I think leads to his resilience and to his ultimate success. And the quality is imagination, Joseph seems to be able to envision something different than the current situation. When he's in jail, he can envision that the chief cupbearer out there will think of him and set him free from jail. When he's a prisoner, he can envision that the Pharaoh might see something in him and want to hire him. These are extremely tall orders. When you're a foreign prisoner slave, rotting in an Egyptian prison, you don't necessarily dare to dream that there's any possibility of something different. And yet Joseph always seems to be able to envision the possibility of a better world, the possibility of a better life for himself. And because he has that vision in his head, because he's able to imagine it, he acts in ways that could bring it about. He connects to people, he makes suggestions, he plans for a world and a life that's different than, that's better than, the one he's currently living. And that, to me, is the central message of the Joseph narratives. Joseph's not just some kid who keeps getting lucky, and the story of Joseph is not the story of, God chose you, therefore God will take care of you. Joseph succeeds because he believes in the possibility of success. Joseph builds a whole different world for Egypt, for his family, for himself, because he is able to envision the possibility of a different world. So Joseph's story reminds us of the importance of imagination, of the power of believing that there can be solutions to problems, and trying to envision what they might be, even if you're not sure what those solutions are. There is possibly nothing more powerful in human life than imagination, than our ability to hold a vision. Apparently, it's what makes us different from all other creatures on Earth. It's what has made our civilization possible. And it's also what makes it possible for us to improve ourselves and our world. And I would say that's true for ourselves as individuals, for the relationships we're in, and for our geopolitical realities. You can't change things unless you can believe that things can be different. You can't even work toward a different world unless you can hold a vision of a different world. So in the end, Joseph is the archetype or the metaphor for that He and his stories are the reminder that things always can be better, that solutions are possible, and that the first step toward attaining them is to begin to imagine them. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I want to wish you a happy and peaceful Hanukkah celebration coming up this week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La'asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoyed this program, Please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.